You live in an increasingly batrified universe. We all do, and it's not going away anytime soon. You could easily be allowing me to inflict myself upon you right now by virtue of the electrons stored in a tiny little battery. Imagine that. Batteries are everywhere, right? From phones and tablets and laptops to power tools and even cars. Therefore, if you want to be an informed consumer today or any time in the future, you simply must bend your brain around battery basics. In this report, I'm gonna show you how, and it's not that hard. If you are confused about amp hours and watt hours, about lithium ion and lead acid, and power and energy, joules versus watts versus volts versus amps versus power versus whatever, comparing different batteries, dude, you are not alone. And it is all such a blur of sciencey jargon, isn't it? This report is the beer garden physics dissertation on that. It will show you how to crack these kooky codes. The point about beer garden physics being it's designed to empower you, to cut through the super sciencey bullshit and just help you make better, more informed choices by understanding WTF is really going on in the background, sort of behind all the glossy marketing claims. I'm John Cadogan from autoexpert.com.au and I get new cars cheap. For buyers here in Australia. Website for that, obviously. Or you can just click the battery powered card that's uh, up there now, dude. Admittedly, sometimes the battery is flat, like, dude, all of life is a lottery. <laughs> Think you'd agree. Look, this report actually flows from my recent review of the portable big battery bank and inverter system that we know and love as the Bluetti AC200P, which is a real alternative to a hardwired dual battery system in a real man's 4x4 being kitted out for Dingo Piss Creek visitation. <laughs> and I think, you know... Deep down, we all want that. Links in the description to all of those relevant predecessor things. Today's little tete-a-tete is also inspired by you. At least if you are a dude with self-diagnosed chronic traumatic encephalopathy. Try saying that with a bottle of Glenfiddich on board. Named David Reed. However... I think he's just using that as an excuse for not paying sufficient attention at school. Except, of course, to all the chicks. Pretend I'm a dumb uh, person. How many amp hours is it? He's talking about the Blue Eddy, okay? Been researching a bunch of 100 amp hour lithium batteries of late and I get how that is calculated. I still can't wrap my head around watt hours. I blame all the hits in the head playing footy. Winky face. I get that. You know, I'm not unsympathetic to the use of amp hours, at least traditionally. They're extremely popular and useful to the Dingo Piss Creek visitation fraternity because in that fraternity, you're often fitting a second battery to go into the outback and do all of that cool shit that you can do out there and run a whole bunch 
of auxiliary appliances off your second battery. And if you know the current consumption of those devices, then you can figure out how big a battery you need and how long it's going to last at the likely current draw rate. Like take this for example, you might fit this 12 volt battery that's 100 amp hours and the principal things that you want to run when you are stopped up at camp might just be a 60 litre angle refrigerator and some LED lighting, notionally, I don't know, 24 watts of lighting is a fair bit of light, uh, two amps for 24 watts obviously at 12 volts and you might want to run an inverter as well to charge up all of that battery powered stuff in your life such as your camera your phone and your laptop and the total drawer of the inverter might be i don't know four amps or something like that and if you're locked in amp hour world like dave is right you just go well you look up the specs for the angle and it says half an amp to 4.2 amps maximum. So you could ballpark that depending on the ambient conditions out there. You could say, well, an average of two amp draw off the angle while it's running. And then two amps for the lights as discussed. And then four amps for the inverter is two plus two plus four. Even a politician could do that. Eight amps in total and 100 amp hours divided by eight is about 12 hours worth of useful life of the battery before it's dead flat. So I get that. It's useful. Amp hours work, but they don't really work in the modern world where voltages are all over the shop. And by that I mean they're not really a useful tool for comparison of batteries except if they're at the same voltage. So perhaps we should go back to basics here and just think about exactly what batteries do and what the devices they are connected to represent and then deep dive into the beer garden physics of that and hopefully make more sense of what's going on here, the better to understand the mechanism and the better to understand a better way of comparing batteries. So you've got your battery and it is invariably either just sitting there on its own with no mates or it's connected to a device. And the battery is obviously a storage unit of energy. And energy is a particular thing in physics, okay? The device is going to consume power, which is related to energy, but not the same thing, okay? They're different and it's important not to confuse the two. So energy is like the potential to do work and power is how quickly you do that work all right so think about it like this if you get two dudes and they both weigh 100 kilos and they've got to run up to the top of a mountain carrying i don't know a rifle and whatever else like they're both soldiers only one of them trains all the time and is really fit and the other one isn't he's just like in basic training or something then the fit guy is going to get to the top of the mountain faster, okay? So let's look at it like this. If the fit dude in Special Forces, SEAL Team, whatever, gets to the top of the mountain in one minute and the guy in basic training who's just trying to wrap his brain around how hard all of this is, he gets to the top in two minutes, takes him twice as long. In physics terms, fit dude is twice as powerful as unfit dude. Okay, because he can do the same work, which is lift the same mass through the same height. He can do the same work twice as fast. So he's twice as powerful. So power involves time 
and energy, whereas energy is just a thing that is stored and ready to go. And the power is how quickly you use it. And in mathematics terms, you just get it like this, okay? You get power is energy divided by time. It's the time rate of usage of energy, okay? And this is the same for dude running uphill carrying heavy shit as it is for battery powering appliances at Dingo Piss Creek campsite, okay? You can flip that, obviously, if you understand basic mathematics, and you can say that energy is power times time. And in the SI system here in Australia, then power is measured in watts after the steam engine dude, right? And time is measured in seconds in SI units, but if you want to bastardize it, you can measure it in minutes or hours or days or weeks or months or years, okay? In electrical terms, it's common to get power in you know, time measured in hours and relate that to energy and power in that way. And you end up with power times time equals watts times hours is watt hours. And if you're consuming electricity for three months at home, you get a bill, which you might call your power bill, which is in how many kilowatt hours you've used, but it's really not power at all. <laughs> okay. It's energy. You're getting a bill for the energy. The electricity company doesn't give a shit how quickly you use it. They give a shit how much you use. And therefore, you get billed for the energy and not the power. Okay? So kilowatt hours is energy. Watt hours is energy. And energy is ultimately what you're concerned with because the amount of energy in the battery can deliver an amount of power required by the device for whatever time that you need it to deliver for. Okay? So that's the interplay between energy and power and batteries and devices and things of that nature. If you really want to get into the granular detail of this, we really measure energy in joules in the SI system, named after a dead dude who was interested in that stuff. Okay, so joules are the SI unit. And if you want to know what one watt is, it's one joule of energy being used by a device per second. Okay, and the joules are the same as kilojoules when you see them on the packet of food that you eat, right? It's the same thing, it's just in a different form. And a watt hour, if you really care about this, is 3,600 joules, okay? Because there are 3,600 seconds in an hour, or 3.6 kilojoules if you want to divide it by 1,000 and use kilojoules like on the side of the food packet. So when we're thinking about actually using the energy in a battery, you want to know how much energy is in there and you want to know how quickly you need to extract it to run those devices, like how much power do they demand. Obviously, a little tiny LED globe is going to be easier to run than a refrigerator and if you want to cold crank a flat battery, then you're going to have to deliver a shitload of power, typically briefly until the engine starts and runs of its own accord, okay? So in electrical terms, I think most people know that power equals volts times amps. And this is a really easy computation to do and you want to bookmark that one because it helps you get from amp hours to watt hours, all right? It's really helpful for that. So I is the symbol for amps. If you're looking any of this stuff up online, you won't see A for amps. Typically, you'll see I. P equals VI in physics terms, okay? And I've got to hit you up with a caveat here for most of this, right? 
I'm a mechanical engineer, not an electrical engineer. So this is pretty basic and I might miss some nuance. Okay, I know what I'm telling you is on the money, but there's increasing levels or layers of depth with this stuff and I'm much more comfortable in a world full of Isaac Newton and rotational inertia and impact dynamics and things of that nature, kinematics, right, and stress and strain and all of that stuff than I am in a world full of impedance and all of that electrical engineering guff. And interestingly, the mathematics between those two worlds it's kind of similar and there's a lot of overlap, but I don't want to purport to be something I'm not. And if you are an electrical engineer, like, and I get some of this wrong or, you know, I gloss over some of it, let me know in the comments because, hey, I might even learn something today as well if you do that. So I thank you in advance for doing that. Anyway, if you want to know what an amp is and how it relates to volts and things of that nature, one amp is a thing called, it's a unit of charge per second. It's really subatomic particles like electrons rocketing down a wire. How many of them? Okay. And there's this dead French dude from the 18th century named someone de Coulomb. All right. And he, and he thought about this stuff at length and they named the fundamental unit of charge, the Coulomb, after him. And an amp is one Coulomb per second. And you go... What does that mean, dude? And kind of, I do too, so I feel your pain. A coulomb is a really, really big number of electrons, okay? It's 6.24 times 10 to the 18, which is 6.24 billion, billion electrons, which sounds like a lot, but they're kind of really small, so they don't take up much space. And that's per second. So... I'm always amazed at the disconnection between gut feeling and reality. And that's why you've got to let it all go if you believe the whole scientific thing. And there's plenty of evidence for science. There's good reasons to believe it. Okay, so when you're doing something really quite mundane like stick welding, okay, and stick welding is a really therapeutic thing to do. If you don't stick weld, you should learn because it rocks. Okay, if you're doing something really mundane in stick welding, like you're running a 2.4 millimeter electrode at home out of a 10 amp power plug, and it's a, I don't know, it's a 7018 and you're welding, you know, downhill, some, some sort of fillet or a butt joint or something like that, just horizontally on the table, then you might be running 100 amps. And you think nothing of it, right? And you just get in the zone and you go, and you make welding happen, which is kind of cool. You're actually firing 624 billion, billion electrons per second out of your ray gun and controlling a pool of molten steel with your mind. <laughs> That's pretty fucking Jedi, I'd suggest. Anyway, so amps is really a big number of electrons per second, all right? So that's the flow rate of electrons down the wire. And volts is how hard they're being pushed, all right? And the two of those things combine to give you power. It depends on the severity of the push, like the voltage, and the number of particles you are firing out of your ray gun like a friggin' Jedi, and that gives you power. So let's think about one of the most common examples hidden in plain sight every time you go for a drive somewhere. 
you see those big steel staunchions carrying wires way up in the air so that people can't interact with them. And they're typically at really high voltages, like 132,000 volts. And you have to ask yourself, like the Cadbury sponsor, why is it so? Okay. And it's so because you've got two options for getting a shitload of power from the power station to a shitload of homes in the city, which could be hundreds of kilometres away. Like the power stations are typically out there and the power comes a long way before you flick the switch at home and start consuming it, right? So how do you get all that power from there to home? You've got a couple of options, haven't you? You could use a lot of current, like a lot of amps, or you could use a lot of voltage. And... There's this pesky thing called resistance, which you've heard of. Now, even a good conductor like copper or aluminium does not really like, is not resistance-free. It doesn't like flowing those electrons. There's resistance to that. So the more you try to push down a particular cross-sectional area of cable, the more resistance you're going to incur, the more heat you're going to generate, the more loss of power you are going to suffer. And you don't want that because you want to make as much power as you can here and get as much of it as possible to home without losing too much of it in transit. Wouldn't it be shit if you lost concrete that way? Like you're buying concrete in bags or something, you buy 100 bags, you only get 50 of it home because it all leaks out. That's what happens if you'd get too many resistive losses, okay? So in practice, what they do to pump electricity a long way is they pump up the voltage so that they don't have to throw as many electrons down the wire. There's still a shitload, like trillions upon trillions endlessly, but it's less than it would be if you were starting with 240 volts, like we get here in Australia out of the wall, and putting it, you know, hypothetically hundreds of kilometres down the road, it just would not work, okay? And if you're a caravaner, like I feel your pain, I guess, but if I ever become a caravaner, euthanize me now, just saying. However, if you're a caravaner and it's a long way to the 240 and you run a really long extension cord, you suffer voltage drop over 50 metres of cord, right? So imagine trying to do that hundreds of kilometres, just wouldn't work. So they pump up the voltage and that reduces the total number of resistive losses. And therefore, what I'm telling you is that you can tweak voltage and current depending on the application. And this is an extreme sort of example, but other examples like this are hidden in plain sight. Like wall outlets deliver 240 volts here in Australia at 10 amps maximum. Whereas your car delivers 12 volts across most of the power energized bus in your car, right? Except for the computer systems, which are typically at lower voltage. But, you know, all of the stuff that runs off electricity, like the lights and that, there's a 12 volt supply to them and they use much uh, higher amperage, right? For a similar kind of power. Okay, so these things are hidden in plain sight and you get plenty of batteries at 3.6 volts or 36 volts or 18 and these different voltages are selected for a reason. We'll get to that. You're used to your lead acid battery if you're using amp hours, okay, and less lead acid chemistry, sorry, is quite well known. It's been known for well over 100 years and basically inside the box of your battery 
is six individual cells, lead acid cells. And when they're charged, they've got lead oxide on one side and sulfuric acid in the middle and lead at the other side when they're charged. And when they're discharged, there's a chemical transformation that takes place between all of these different things. And you end up with a flat battery that's got lead sulfate on both sides and sulfuric acid in the middle with a bit more water because water is a product of this transition from there to there. And because of the way electrochemistry works, because of the way the periodic table works, because of the way atom structure works and voltages and things of that nature, there's a 2.05 voltage across this cell. That's just hashtag electrochemistry, okay? If you put six of them together, you get six lots of that is 12 volts. And obviously, this is a highly charged exogenic thing when it's charged up and it sort of just capitulates and outputs energy when you connect an electrical load to it until it turns into this and then you have to pump energy back in to get it back into this state and obviously because of the second law of thermodynamics and the fact that reactions aren't really infinitely reversible. You always lose something, okay? The battery wears out over time when it's recharged. The number of cycles matters and the nature of those cycles matter and all of that stuff. But essentially, you just connect a source of electricity to the battery. It retransitions to this state and then you use it again. And this is exactly what happens every time you start your car, right? You start your car, it delivers a big whack of power to the starter motor, turns the engine against all of that compression. The engine decides that it's time to get going of its own accord and then the starter circuit de-energizes, the engine's running, the alternator runs, it pumps electricity back into the battery and you get back to that fully charged state. And while you're driving down the road, the battery operates all of the systems that are auxiliary but required to keep the car rocking and rolling. Okay, so we live in a batterified world and the batteries are all over the place. There's so many different lithium-ion batteries. If you think about your home, if you've got a phone, a laptop, a tablet, a camera, whatever, you've got all this stuff, you've got power tools, right? You've got a ton of lithium-ion batteries and they're not directly comparable in the amp hour world. You've got to transition to watt hours because the voltages are all over the place. And I'll show you what I mean. Let's start small. Let's start with a tiny little camera battery like this, okay? This is a knockoff Sony battery that fits in a little camera called a ZV-1 or an RX-100, same batteries. Okay, it's a really good camera, doesn't use much power. It uh, zooms and focuses and reads data off the sensor and writes it to an SD card and things of that nature. It's got an LCD screen on the back that it has to energize as well. You plug one of these in and it doesn't last for all that long, but it does a pretty impressive job because look at how tiny it is, dude. It's 3.6 volts and that's kind of important because remember before I said that the lead acid battery chemistry intrinsically outputs 2.05 volts per cell. You multiply them up, you can get whatever you want. You can get 24 volts, you can get 6 volts, you can get 12 volts. Easy. Lithium ion is like that. The most common lithium ion cells in use around your home are intrinsically, because of electrochemistry, locked at 3.6 volts. You read the specs off the back of this one, it's 1.05 amp hours. Volts times amps equals watts. Volts times amp hours equals watt hours for the same reason. So this times this equals that. It's that simple. So this battery has 
3.8 watt hours of energy inside it. And then your camera doesn't work anymore. If you, if you zoom a lot and if you turn the screen brightness up to maximum, you do a lot of rec recording and you hardly ever de-energize the camera in between takes, then this is not going to last that long. However, if you're conservative with the battery, it's going to last longer. But you've only got this amount of energy to play with. That's kind of how this rolls. And then if we think about a bigger battery, like a battery out of a torch, not unlike this Olight here, which is super bright, like, you know, lightsaber, it's this, okay? And it's at 3.6 volts as well, okay? Both at 3.6 volts. So amp hours between these two batteries are directly comparable. There's roughly five times as much energy in this battery as this battery. And guess what? It's about five times as big and heavy as well, right? So five times as much chemistry inside this one, reactive elements. So five times as much energy, 3.8, 18 watt hours, dead easy. But then when you change the voltage, amp hours goes right out the window. I'll show you why. When we go from the torch to a big camera battery, this is a big camera battery, it's a Canon BPA30, it, it energizes cameras like Canon cinema cameras like C100s and C200s and things of that nature. It's obviously a much bigger battery than the first camera battery I showed you because it does a lot more work. It's keeping bigger lenses focused, it's moving heavier pieces of glass backwards and forwards, it's writing data at higher rates and all of that kind of thing, okay? so. This operates at 14.4 volts because we're pushing those electrons harder into the camera. It's impractical to run a bigger appliance at 3.6 volts, just not gonna work. But if you compare the amp hours, and you look at this one and this one, right? It's five amp hours for the torch battery and 3.1 for the camera battery. And if you infer from that data that the, this torch battery has more energy in it than this one, and more capacity to do work, you're off with the fairies because it's not possible to use amp hours to compare batteries of different voltages. This one's at 14.4, which is essentially four cells like this wired up in series because four times 3.6 equals 14.4. It really is that simple. But then, Let's take the battery out of an old MacBook Air. And I pulled this out the other day because the computer carked itself and I felt bad about disposing of the computer with the battery in it because throwing away a lithium-ion battery into the garbage is environmentally disgraceful. And it's kind of interesting because when you hold both of these batteries in your hand, they weigh about the same. And obviously, this one is designed for the packaging constraints of a laptop. So it is thin and big in X and Y, not so big in Z, okay? Whereas this one is just a box that clips into the back of a camera because you've got a lot of free space there. So packaging matters, but these batteries weigh about the same. They've got about the same amount of reactive elements inside them, but this one's half the voltage, okay? So what it's probably got, and I'm just guessing here, but what it's probably got is these four banks here are probably 3.6 volts a piece and they probably join together in series to give you the 7.3, which is roughly two of them. And then they're wired in parallel so that they can pump a little bit harder without, you know, 
really big demand on the battery chemistry when the laptop's working hard and running the cooling fan and things of that nature, okay? But when you look at these two batteries, if you infer from the amp hours that MacBook Air battery at 6.7 is twice as energetic in some way as big camera battery, you are also off with the fairies because the voltage is different and in fact, the amount of energy inside both of these batteries is more or less the same. And this is like differentially confirmed or diagnosed, if you like, by virtue of the fact that they weigh about the same. And although they're vastly different shapes, their volumes are about the same. You probably also got power tools in your shed. All right, so if you do, it's common for them to be at 18 volts. And 18 volts is kind of important because you're not exacting that much demand on each one of those 3.6 volt cells when the power tool is working hard. If you've got five of those batteries together, then they're all contributing, right? So 18 volts is helpful for doing a lot of work. It's not unlike the power station example, right? When you've got to get a bunch of electricity a long way or do a lot of work or something, it's often helpful to have more voltage because then you can push harder and you don't need as many electrons to do the job, right? It's just an energy flow management deal in the electrical engineering design sphere, all right? So this is five of these 3.6 volt cells because five times 3.6 equals 18. If you look at the side, it says four amp hours. All right, and you think four amp hours isn't that much. The MacBook Air battery was 6.7, but this battery's heaps heavier and it's heaps bulkier as well. It, in fact, it's heaps bulkier than all of these batteries. And part of that is because of the severity of operation that happens with these batteries. It's because when you connect this to an angle grinder and you start taking the mill scale off a big long piece of steel or something, then the current draw is really high. So the discharge rate of the battery is really high and the battery has to engage in thermal management. So part of the additional weight is probably a heat sink inside the battery. And there's probably also a thermocouple in here that measures the temperature and tells the tool to shut off if it gets too hot because you really don't wanna overheat a lithium ion battery because if you do and it catches fire, as the electrolyte starts to decompose, it decomposes in part into oxygen gas, which feeds the fire, which means that if one of these babies catches fire, you can't put it out. It generates its own oxygen. Most fire extinguishers work on the principle of depriving the combustion of oxygen in the air, and that stops the flame, like CO2 and all of those other kinds of materials in fire extinguishers. That's the mechanism of how they work. It doesn't work with a battery like this because it generates its own oxygen. You can't deprive it, okay? The only thing you can do with a lithium ion battery that's on fire is put it in a lot of water and wait for it to stop. So there's that. But then here's a kind of interesting comparison, all right? So this battery has roughly 50% more energy in it than MacBook Air battery, but it's far more robust because it draws that current out, that power out of the battery quickly, okay? But you might have a lawnmower, or you might want to replace your existing internal combustion lawnmower with a battery lawnmower. You might want to stop plugging a cord in for your hedge trimmer or things of that nature. And that's easy to do because there's a heap of tools like that that are battery powered. This is also a Ryobi battery, and it's also four 
amp hours, right? You can see that pretty clearly there. I hope four amp hours for this battery, all right? They're both four amp hour batteries, but look at them, dude. This one is twice as big, and I can tell you it's twice as heavy. It's got the same sort of thermal management demands because the appliances to which it's connected have the same kind of power intensivity when they're working hard. This thing is designed to deliver power quickly out of its stored energy, right? So it's got heat sink, thermal management, and it'll tell the device to switch off before the battery catches fire, one hopes, okay? But they're both four amp hours, but you can see that this one's got twice as much energy in it because it's harder to cut the lawn or trim the hedge than it is to drill a hole in a piece of wood or something with this baby, all right? So I hope this makes some sense. You can't connect, you can't compare these two batteries on their on the basis of them being both four amp hours. And if you do, or you ask the dude at Bunnings who didn't pay much attention at school and says, oh, about the same, mate, kind of thing, he's just glossing over the facts because this big battery has twice as much energy inside it as this one, even though they're both four amp hours. Now let's compare an EV to all of that, okay? And I'll use the Kona Electric as an example because I'm intimately familiar with that. I spent 12 months driving one, so I kind of know how it rocks. It's 356 volts, which you get by putting 100 of these together. And you do that in a modular fashion. You put little modules of these together and then you wire them up in series until you get your target 356 volts by having 100 of them all together in series. And then you get these sort of super modules and you add them together in parallel so that it can deliver the kinds of power you need it to deliver to get two tons of car off the mark or up a hill or something of that nature, okay? So the voltage goes up because the power intensivity of the demand has increased compared with running a small camera or driving a basic handheld power tool in your shed and also the number of batteries the weight goes up to 64,000 watt hours okay so when you think about that it'd be roughly two of them for 6.4 and then you'd have to multiply that by 10,000 or something to get to 64,000 watt hours so if you want to think about it it's 10,000 of these, okay? What it's not is 180 of these, which you might infer if you look at 1.05 amp hours here and 180 amp hours here. The battery in the Kona is not 180 of these. It's 10,000-ish of these in terms of its onboard energy. And this is essentially why you cannot use amp hours to compare batteries of different voltages because you're not allowing for volts times amps equals watts, okay? It really is kind of that simple and it's not that hard to accommodate, but you do have to change gears mentally and that's what I'm trying to motivate you to do throughout this report. And you need to do it because the batterification of society is hardly going to decrease into the foreseeable future. Okay, so the big Bluetti, which I showed you the other day, it's 2,000 watt-hours, and it delivers power in a variety of outputs, okay, including USB and wirelessly to charge phones and things of that nature. But the big two for Dingo Piss Creekians, of course, 
is 240 volts. You can run a 240 volt appliance, such as the charger for your power tool or the charger for your laptop, whatever. You can run that through the inverter that is built in to this unit, which has this battery on board. Okay, or you can just pull 12 volts out of it and run your fridge, you can run your camp, lighting, whatever. You can do that as well, and you can do both of those things simultaneously. I'll have a link in the description if you want to check that review out, or you just want to go and check the unit out as well. Okay, but if you're using it in 240 volt mode, it's 8.3 amp hours at 240 volts. If you're using it and as a 12 volt supply, it's 167 amp hours. So it's not unlike a 12 volt 100 to 200 amp hour battery that you might buy. Like you can buy a lithium ion 12 volt battery for off-roading in that range. 100, 140 amp hours is uh, common and so is 200 when you browse online. It's in the ballpark, right? The battery is a big battery, but it's really not that spectacular in terms of its actual battery capacity. It's kind of like the batteries you can buy off the shelf. What's clever about it is it's compact and portable and easy to move from vehicle to vehicle, and it's got an inverter on board, so you can withdraw the power however you need to. Okay, so that's clever. And harking back to me being a mechanical engineer, there are obvious limitations in devices, the mathematics does not work endlessly. Like if you've got a 100 amp hour battery, you could probably draw 100 amps for an hour. It might trip some duty cycle thing, I don't know. But there are discharge limitations. You can draw maybe 50 amps for two hours or 25 amps for four hours or two amps for 50 hours, okay? But you can't draw 10,000 amps for 36 seconds or something which is one one hundredth of an hour. You just can't do that, okay? And that's because the battery can't uh, sex itself up. It can't be that energetic over any time frame. It, it, it will be dangerous to do that. It's beyond the discharge capacity. You probably don't have cables that can draw, you know, 100 amps, sorry, 10,000 amps or something like that. It's ridiculous, okay? So there are discharge limitations and chemistry limitations inside batteries. There are contiguous, discontiguous stops to the discharge amounts that you can expect or exact from any battery, all right? And there's also inside the Blue Eddy and anything else that you connect to a battery, there's going to be conversion losses, right? Because when you change the, whatever the native voltage is inside the battery of the Blue Eddy, when you change that to 240 volts, you have to run it through an inverter. And the second law of thermodynamics says that every time you run a process, you're going to lose something. And typically you lose it as heat. So you lose the available energy that you would have had before you do the process. And the Blue Eddy's got a cooling fan, got to run that, takes energy. The inverter has a cooling fan, it's got to run that, generates heat, all of that stuff, right? You're not going to be able to use all of the energy in the device because of conversion losses and just intrinsic thermodynamics because that's just how the way the world rocks. So there's kind of four things that you need to know if you want to become increasingly cognizant of batteries and what they mean in the modern world, right? And the first thing is that these higher voltage batteries like 36 volts or 360-ish volts for electric vehicles, they do that to run more powerful equipment, right? The higher the 
power demands of the device to which the battery is connected, the bigger the voltage because it's just easier to manage that way. It's more of a push and fewer trillions upon trillions of subatomic particles being fired like a Jedi down the pipe, right? The second thing is that design engineers select the voltages of the batteries because they have the power consumption in mind. And that's why this battery is 3.6 volts and this battery has 10 times more voltage because a camera simply cannot suck a lot of power. It's got a tiny lens and it's got a tiny sensor and it compresses the data and it doesn't do very much, okay? Whereas a lawnmower, well, it runs into long grass and you need to keep the blades spinning. So 36 volts, that's how that works. The third thing is that amp hours are really useful if you are stuck in a fixed voltage ecosystem, right? So if you're in 12 volt world, you can use amp hours all day long to design the system that your SUV, for example, is going to need to run all of that stuff that you need it to run while you are camped in your little fold-out chair on the bank of Dingo Piss Creek looking to see which child will get taken by a saltwater crocodile first or something, right? So if you're locked in that world, 12-volt world or whatever, then amp hours are entirely useful and they're quite utilitarian and you already understand them, so happy days. Number four, right, you've got to wrap your brain around watt hours because if you've got a 3.6 volt battery and a 36 volt battery and a 360 volt battery and 14.4 and 18 and whatever else, 36, amp hours are just gibberish when you're talking about comparing this battery to this battery. It doesn't make any sense. Like, you'll be out by a factor of five if you compare these two on the basis of amp hours. You'll be out by a factor of two if you compare these two, okay? Because they're at different voltages. And now that you understand this, I'd suggest there's really no reason for you to be that ignorant on the battery front. And lithium-ion batteries are going to be the gold standard in everything sort of moving forward. And therefore, you've got to get away from amp hours and go to watt hours because you can guarantee that you'll be looking at battery A and battery B and battery C. And if you don't know that, you might go to Bunnings and buy one of these batteries. Let's say you, you say, oh, they're both four amp hours and I've already got a bunch of these. So I'll buy a lawnmower that fits this. You can do that. You can buy a lawnmower that fits this, all right? but it will not be as powerful as the lawnmower that fits this. And if you expect it to cut the grass the same, you're going to be disappointed. 